Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue coming to you from Happy Valley. We're going down south, though. Daniel Gallen is still in Jordan-Hare Stadium where Penn State put a pounding on their SEC opponent, the Auburn Tigers, 41-12. to was the final score, and quite frankly, it probably could have been an even wider margin of victory for the Nittany Lions if they cleaned up a few aspects, but there's really not much complaining to do. It's not one of those post-game episodes. This is the kind of matchup and the kind of outcome and the kind of showcase event on a Saturday that was a bit late on marquee matchups that Penn State fans and James Franklin dream about. I don't think James Franklin wants to do many of these home-and-homes with SEC teams moving forward, but they're going to benefit from this one more than just that 3-0 record would indicate. It was really hard to imagine an afternoon that went could have gone any better for Penn State. It was a beautiful day uh, here in Auburn, packed crowd. The Penn State contingent was, was noticeable. They made themselves heard. Uh, and then Penn State just showed up from the jump. Um, I think the one place that I'd start right now, and I'm writing about this right now, is that first series, Sean Clifford takes the enormous hit from Owen Papo. Um, I, I was looking down on my computer. I heard everyone's reaction. And that's when you know in a press box that something happened. I looked up and it was just like, I didn't know how Sean Clifford got up. Um, we can quibble about the play called a quarterback sneak him uh, on the next play after that. But the fact that he popped right up, stayed in the game, Jair Brown said that when you see your quarterback get hit, even though you're not on the offense, you take notice and you know kind of what that means for the game. Penn State, uh, you know, Clifford answered the bell, got up off the mat. Penn State followed his lead and they really exerted some force over Auburn in a way that I don't think any of us uh, were really expecting to see uh, this afternoon. No, I was, I guess, the the most bold with my prediction going a 14-point margin. You, Mark, and and uh, and myself all picked Penn State to win this one and to cover the spread, which is three points. Uh, but but I obviously was, was a little bit more leaning towards it, it, Penn State pulling away. I didn't think it would be this emphatic, though, and to your point, this physical. They did take that initial punch in the face of the team right now. Sean Clifford was the guy who, who got that one, landed on his chin, but uh, I tell you what, it wasn't just one counter. They, they kept delivering. And ultimately, it really panned out in one regard like we thought. They made Auburn play keep up on the scoreboard. And the quarterback room for the Tigers was not capable of delivering. And I also got to say, the coaching staff involved there, the Auburn supporting support system on offense. Uh, running backs aside, we saw flashes from, from the guys we thought we would from that backfield. But it was 
pretty much precisely as we thought it might play out for the Auburn offense. And it's a big reason why uh, Brian Harson is going to be moving forward with that seat getting continually hotter for him down south. We talked about the Penn State front seven kind of being the, the unit to really watch today. And this was their big test for them. We haven't really seen them go up against a run-heavy offense uh, in a long time, much less do it at full strength with P.J. Mustafer in there, uh, with some of these newer, younger players getting chances to step up. And they really rose to the occasion. Um, even looking at the box score right now, even when you factor in um, you know, a couple runs, a run by a wide receiver, um, it's a little skewed because of sacks and things like that, but 3.3 yards per carry, uh, 4.3 for, for Tank Bigsby, 3.2 for Jar- Jarquez Hunter. I mean, Penn State really answered the call. Um, you know, obviously I was really high on Tank Bigsby coming into the year. Uh, when I think about that game last year, I think a couple more carries could have swung it. Um, but today Penn State was really up to the task. Um, a long run of 12 for Bigsby, long run of 12 for Hunter. So they were able to kind of get through into the second level, but Penn State just never really allowed the big plays. And then when Auburn was driving down, they held them to field goals. Um, and then they had a couple timely, uh, timely interceptions, which we hadn't seen yet this year. So they really answered the call in, in all ways, when, when you, especially when you look at this defense, um, the edge they played with, the amount of physicality they played with, um, I think that's going to be a big key theme coming out of this. Um, they really delivered. Um, and this was really, you know, Purdue was a test, but it was a different kind of test. Um, this was, I felt like a, this was really a stress test, um, given being on the road in national television. You have that ranking next to your name now. You're going up against a physical, fast team um, that is going to stretch you horizontally, you know, try to stretch you vertically, even though they didn't really have the quarterback play to do that. Um, and Penn State, uh, I think, really delivered, really you know, lived up to what they could be today. You have so many names to get to on both sides <laughs> of the ball. And, and we could say the name Nick Singleton just 10 times in a row and people would appreciate that. But we're, we're going to stash that for just a second because I want to go to where you were on the defensive front because this is a group that we hyped up a lot in August. And I'm not going to say we did it for no reason. We did it based on what we were hearing, what we were seeing with our own eyes. Um, and the first couple of games, it was a strange sample size based on the opponent and what the opponent wanted to accomplish against them. But we kept seeing particularly Chop Robinson step up and flash. That took a big step today. But the guy that you wrote about uh, this week, Adiza Isaac, he was featured in, in a really – I know you were in the press box. People who maybe didn't stick around at home and watch the pregame stuff, there was a, a feature on him and his family. Tremendous stuff. And if you don't know the, the story of him away from the football field, you should. But what he did tonight in the football field was a big step forward in his return. And overall, you think about the names, Chop Robinson – Adiza Isaac, Katron Allen, two touchdowns. Nick Singleton, a couple touchdowns. Mitch Tinsley did his damage on that first touchdown drive, which was a response to that big hit on Sean Clifford. None of those guys were on the field when Auburn came to town last year, which was I I felt going into this matchup that, yes, the Jordan-Hare voodoo aspect aside, this to me was a more favorable matchup for Penn State. I didn't think it was particularly uh, that close when you compared what these two teams looked like going into that game last September. Something that was said post game, I think by Jair Brown, was that you know this is what Manny Diaz had been telling them it was going to look at look like that you know you're going through those those first two games and you're not seeing sacks from the defensive line, uh, you're not seeing interceptions in the secondary, um, you, a couple fumble things here and there, and that's what you're supposed to see. 
that's what kind of that's what you're coming in telling them all right we're going to do this this and this and then it hasn't happened yet but apparently behind the scenes according to Jair Brown Manny Diaz kept telling them that this is what it's going to look like and then they finally got to see it um, and I think that that kind of had a big boost for the defense's confidence uh, coming in uh, the defensive line didn't have a sack yet and we got the first one on the last play uh, of the first half when Chop Robinson strip sack TJ Finley on a hit that after that series Finley didn't really look right and ultimately didn't finish the game uh, and then on third down on Auburn's first series uh, in the second half um, you know Auburn got the ball first in the second half um, at that point it's a 14-6 game if they can put a drive together they're right back in it um, but then Adisa Isaac on third down chases down TJ Finley trips him up um, you look at the stat line for for Isaac three tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, two quarterback hits. He was really disruptive. Um, and then I almost feel like this is going to kind of become the norm with Chop Robinson. Uh, one tackle, one sack, one quarterback hit, and a forced fumble. It felt like he did so much more than that. And I think the fact that you're getting that from an edge rusher where you look at the stat sheet and it's, wow, I felt like he did so much more but not in a way that he left plays on the field, in a way that he was out there, he was maximizing everything. So I think people should be really excited about this pass rush, this defensive line, this defensive end group uh, coming out of today, uh, especially with what we saw out of Isaac and Chop Robinson. You've covered a lot of basketball, Daniel. You know the phrase, hearing footsteps when you're in the paint. The guy's a little hesitant. Ben Simmons, for instance, is a great example <laughs> of hearing footsteps. Um, I feel like Chop Robinson, it, that's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet but that's what quarterbacks are dealing with right now. You're, they're hearing the footsteps because physically he really is trampling his way toward that pocket uh, repeatedly. And it's been a remarkable thing to see three games in his Penn State career, the kind of impact that he's already made, the heads that he's turning. Um, and, and let's get over to the other side of the football. Um, the offensive line, again, you, you saw some the seven guys involved there. Bryce up there, Hunter Norzad, it was the same starting lineup. Theo Johnson was back involved, um, wasn't heavily involved, but he was back on the field today. He made his debut. That's good to see. But let's go to that offensive backfield and start with the running back room. Uh, Kevon Lee was nicked up, although he did return to action. Devin Ford had a late, uh, nice uh, return to kind of uh, getting, getting involved for this offense. But the storyline was Nick Singleton again. Penn State went from 2002 until last Saturday without having a running back produced 40-plus yards multiple times in a single game. Nick Singleton said, yeah, I did it, and I'll do it again. He did it back-to-back weeks, Daniel. It's kind of ridiculous what he has already accomplished. Just 10 carries again gets the job done. What was it like seeing this in person, and how did the SEC home crowd react? Because I think they heard us talk about Nick Singleton – but a lot of people kind of put him to the side because, one, it happened against Ohio, and, two, he had never kind of had the exposure at this level. And I said, if he comes out the other side and he has a big night, he's a national name. And here he is, much like Travion Henderson last year, didn't even have to get to October to burst onto the national stage. Welcome, Nick Singleton. We won 17 games uh, without a 100-yard rusher for Penn State, and now Nick Singleton has done it back-to-back weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I was – a little skeptical like is what we saw against ohio will that play against auburn so it was very like all right we got to see it and it really did i think a lot of credit goes to the blocking on the edge um you know for as much as we've talked about that that right tackle position being you know a, a little bit in flux you know caden wallace and, and bryce efner uh splitting time there 
a lot of Nick Singleton's big runs have been through the right side, um, behind the tackle, uh, behind the tight end. Um, and he was just able to get to the second level. Um, I was Mark Brennan had a great photo um, of the, I think, 53-yard run that Nick Singleton had to set up a one-yard run, uh, where Brenton Strange has his guy pancaked on the ground. He's on top of him. Um, you can see Parker Washington and some guys on the inside. You know, Nick Singleton didn't need to go all the way to the sideline uh, to get around to the edge. They were giving him holes so he could get vertical, you know, get out there quick, quickly. And just to watch him run away from SEC defensive backs, I think that was the that was a one thing that we kind of wanted to see. All right, he can pull away against Ohio, against these MAC defensive backs. Can he do it um, against a program that has recruited well uh, and that has a reputation for being good on the having athletes on the back end and he did it um i think that second run that he had um the the 54 yarder everyone just kind of looked at each other in the press box i mean the penn state people who saw it last week we all kind of looked at each other and it was kind of like okay like this is this is for real for real now this Mm. is the this is the big play guy um you know he has arrived um so nick singleton i mean you know, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to stash some adjectives, I think, for later in the year uh, to describe how he's played because, I mean, he had his first real test today and, and he passed it with, with flying colors. If things go according to plan, we got, what, 30 some more games to cover with this guy. Better stash some of those adjectives because, yeah, what he's doing in a hurry, but not to be overshadowed, it was the effort of Katron Allen. Um, but by the way, Nick Singleton, was affected by that SEC defensive speed. His average plummeted all the way from 17.9 yards per carry down to 12.4 yards per carry. He went 10 for 179 against Ohio with a couple touchdowns. Now he goes 10 for 124 with a couple touchdowns. I'd imagine he is in a very good spot uh, to maybe repeat as Big Ten Offensive Freshman of the Week. I haven't really looked around the conference right now, but it'll be a Tough to top that performance, I'd imagine. Getting to Catron Allen, though, nine carries, 52 yards. That's almost six yards a clip. Um, but he was a guy who was able to, to, to get it done. He's not just a four or five yards and fall forward kind of running back. I think some may have had a misconception with that. We know that his updated weight is all the way down to 201. So I think that's kind of changing how people view him. But just watch the way he ran tonight. Smooth, slippery against an SEC defense. And they've got two guys playing early football in their college career. Got Kevon Lee involved, Devin Ford involved. They're capable Big Ten running backs. They've got two guys here, though, that can lead the charge and really could put you in some kind of Big Ten title contention if they keep this up. The patience on the touchdown run uh, that that Katron Allen had, where he starts to go to the right, cuts back to his left. There's an enormous hole, and he just kind of falls in. I think that 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 showed, I think, on the biggest stage what I had noticed about watching Catron Allen the most uh, through these first two weeks where there's a patience there, but you still don't feel like that he's waiting too long. You don't, you never feel like he's standing still. Um, He didn't, he and Nick Singleton weren't stopped for a loss tonight, um, which I think is pretty impressive. Uh, But single or but Allen will always end up going forward. Uh, He's going to find the hole. He's going to find the right blocker that he needs to follow uh, to get into the second level. And I do think watching him run now, I mean, he's so smooth. Um, he pulls away from guys. It's kind of the, the opposite of Nick Singleton, where Singleton, it's like you see the freight train, you see the gears turning, and, and you see the force that it takes when he pulls away. But Singleton, it's so effortless. Um, he's a glider. 
I think as I rewatch this game, I, I think I'm really going to have to, you know, think about my conceptions that I had, preconceptions I had of Katron Allen coming in, what his role would be, and kind of where his ceiling is and, and what he's capable of, you know, a, a quarter of the way through the season. So I think that with Singleton, it's you really have the, uh, you know, the, it's, it was so splashy, so eye-catching. Um, but you have to come away from this feeling really, really good about what you saw from Katron Allen, uh, what they were able to do with this offensive line. Uh, I think Sal Wormley had a couple good blocks on some big runs. Um, Mark Brennan pointed out a block that Landon Tangwall had um, on another nice run. So I think that, you know, we talked all offseason about the running game. Uh, and I think, you know, 6.3 yards per carry as a team, uh, which includes um, only Penn State was only stopped for a loss. They only lost nine yards on the ground and four of those were on a kneel down. So 6.3 yards per carry at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I think that'll play. Yeah, James Franklin told us that we would tell him after that Thursday night game at Purdue how his offensive line developed and how that ground game developed. There were some words exchanged after that one. There were some things written, but I think now coming out of game three, there's starting to be a lot of proof in that pudding. Uh, on the road in an SEC environment, they've got a heck of a schedule to embark on come October, but the early litmus test lived up to that today in a big way against a team that we knew was going to be a different kind of opponent. Um, now, Daniel, when we look at, at this team, you're, you're coming off the field, and I want to get into some of the emotions and stuff, but just going through big-time performers, let's stay in the offensive backfield because, uh, yes, we saw Drew Aller. Yes, we saw Christian Veyer, actually, which was, you know, you didn't expect them to be able to go three deep at quarterback because of the scoreboard. But Sean Clifford was the story, and I felt like I buried the lead a bit this week as I wrote about the progress of the freshman quarterback, and yet you know, he was the guy who was going to be watching number 14 play today. Clifford came into this one, seven total touchdowns, one turnover on the year. We had talked about it. But, man, he was in command on the road, just like we thought he might be. He didn't have that excitable way about him in a negative fashion like we've seen earlier in his career. And ultimately – for a second consecutive year, he was able to carve up Auburn. It wasn't about racking up 350 yards. It was about protecting the football. There were no turnovers. It was about getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers. I thought he did a great job distributing the football in a timely fashion uh, and moving around the pocket and did a little bit with his feet. Obviously, he paid the price on one, but he got into the end zone again. That's now three rushing touchdowns, three straight weeks. He had two rushing touchdowns all of last year. And, and let me just read the stats now to you here, Daniel, through Two games in his career against Auburn, Sean Clifford, 42 of 51 passing for 458 yards, two touchdowns. He had one interception, had a rushing touchdown today. And oh, by the way, a 25-yard catch with two with, with two wins against the Tigers. Auburn fans aren't going to forget Sean Clifford, and they'll probably always remember him a little bit different than he'll be remembered here in State College. I mean, he's made an impression, uh, I, I, th yeah. I think, on Auburn. He, he made a, a first impression last year, and – he definitely followed it up with another one today. But yeah, I mean, 14 of 19, 178 yards, uh, no interceptions, uh, no sacks. Uh, there was the fumble on the on the big hit by Owen Papo, but like, I think you just kind of have to chalk that one up to a big hit. Maybe he gets down. It was early in the game. Maybe that's there weren't what, even a lot of oh no moments though. Like there weren't even a lot of like uh oh that the, what is he doing? That's a, the, there were a few of those that preceded the interception at Purdue that that kind of led up to that. You, he didn't really get into that stretch of play today, which you know there were were there quick offensive possessions, yes, but was there ever kind of a series by series thing where you said 
Sean's not training in the right direction. You can kind of sense when that happens with him. Didn't happen today at all. The oh no moments were more limited to what he didn't do than what he did, which mm-hmm. I think is a positive moving forward. Uh, there was the one play where Parker Washington went in motion and no one went with him. And he was yeah. r- wide open on the left side, jumping up and down. Um, and then there was another play where Parker Washington just ran a really nasty in route uh, and was wide open on a third down. Um, and I think Clifford, I think Clifford threw that one to Keandre Lambert Smith, maybe. Um, but those are kind of the two that stood out. You had the short possessions. I think that you want that possession right before halftime back um, where they got the ball. I think 67 seconds left. They had the chance to go up 21, six to win the, win the middle eight again. Um, And it just didn't, didn't work. Just wasn't a good series. That two minute offense that had really been humming uh, these first two weeks uh, wasn't really there, but I think that's really the, the lone blemish. I mean, Auburn didn't drop any interceptions. Um, there's nothing where you see him release the ball and you have no idea where it's going or who it's going to. So I thought it was a very composed, uh, very calm. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a, a surgical performance, but I think that Clifford did what he needed to do early on. And then when the run game was able to really assert itself after halftime, that's when, that's when you knew that Penn State was really, really in control. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's what we have to remember here. Sean Clifford has not been able to turn around and look at a serious, legitimate rushing attack that's been consistently impactful since he was handing the ball off to Journey Brown in December of 2019 when he was a redshirt sophomore. That's a long time ago, and you just wonder how does that kind of change up the equation for what Sean Clifford can accomplish. And no doubt about it, Drew Aller is going to be part of the game plan. He's going to burn his redshirt pretty soon. But Sean Clifford doing nothing to dissuade this Penn State staff and turning the ball over back to him time and time again. Uh, let's get back over to defense because I think Jair Brown was a guy that felt like he was due for a game like this, and he delivered in the prime spotlight. Uh, what did you see and hear from Tig uh, on Saturday? Well, Jair Brown was very excited to get his first career sack. Uh, it was something that he really, really wanted, um, and he said that he's been working on the stunt uh, where he came around the edge to get to the quarterback that he'd been working that on that all summer, uh, all, you know, all fall camp. Um, he really wanted to nail that and he had the opportunity to do it. Um, but I mean, you look at his final stat line, five total tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, an interception, a quarterback hit. 
I mean, it was really a, a complete performance. And I think we, I think I, I mentioned it a little bit in my post game piece where he was stepping into this Jaquan Brisker role um, on the team. And whether that's fair or not, when you see one safety leave, Jair was the next guy up. Um, and I think today it was kind of his, you know, showing that he has stepped up. He is in this role. Um, he's his own player. And, you know, I think this is something that will get him national attention too. I think this is what can put him on the radar. That interception, I mean, he read it perfectly. He was exactly where he needed to be. Um, the sack was just a really good effort. And it just seemed like he was all over, all over the field. Um, you know, he did take his lumps. So he got hurdled by Jarquez Hunter. Um, which will be on an Auburn highlight reel probably. But I think he had enough plays on his own highlight reel. Um, After the game, he was just super excited, um, super happy. Um, You know, I think that he's someone who can take a very, you know, know, 10,000 foot view of what's going on. He kind of mentioned that this is a Penn State Auburn game, but at the same time, he knows that there's, national implications or regional implications in terms of big 10 and sec um and that it means something a little bit more um you know in this type of game so this was the type of game i think that we'd been waiting to see from him i felt like he was a little quiet the first two weeks of the season and i don't think there would be a better stage for him to really announce himself put himself out there and and make an impact on on a national level of course, we got to get to the takeaway king, as we call him around here in State College, uh, Zaki Wheatley, who led this team in turnovers during spring camp and then again in fall camp. Well, all he's done as an actual second teamer thus far at safety is uh, get two takeaways through three games. One that was a momentum swinger on the road at Purdue late in the first half, and then one of the four in his first career interception. Uh, Zaki Wheatley, man, he. He's just undeniably <laughs> coming along as a key figure in this defense. It doesn't matter who's starting. That's kind of a theme, I guess, though. It doesn't matter who's starting right now. There are guys contributing. Chop Robinson's not starting. Uh, it depends on the week if Johnny Dixon or Kalen King's starting. And, and then you've got this guy. So it, it's really impressive what Manny Diaz has been able to do and kind of going down the depth chart and utilizing his strengths. That play was really, really, I think, a standout of kind of seeing Manny Diaz Manny Diaz's defense work at kind of full strength to see everything you want out of it. I mean, Jalen Reed had to run a long, long way uh, to get to TJ Finley to put that hit on him to force that, that interception. And then by Zaki Wheatley, I mean, he just kind of, he full extension plucks it off the ground. No doubt that it was an interception. They didn't, they didn't go to the review for it or anything. Um, I was just really, really impressed by that play. Um, Auburn was driving, um, and that was kind of the story for Penn State is they got the stops, they got the turnovers, they did what they needed to do. Uh, and James Franklin has kind of said it before, where the ball just seems to find Zaki Wheatley, um, and it did right there, and Penn State will definitely take it. Let's stay uh, on the defensive side of the football because we're starting to see the, the true emergence now. Uh, it was a little bit delayed, but of Abdul Carter, um, James Franklin said in the post game, there's something about that number 11 at linebacker for the Nittany Lions. And man, Abdul Carter making the those who were very proud of him. I know that Saquon Barkley put a shout out to Nick Singleton. I'd imagine Mark, Micah Parsons, if he has not yet, has put out one uh, to Abdul Carter. Um, look, I don't know if he's going to be starting football games for this team when they're playing against the Ohio States and Michigan's on their schedule. 
but he is going to be in that category, I think, as long as he maintains his trajectory of, yeah, he might not be a starter, but he's a starter. You look at it, 6-0 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, a pass breakup. He was all over the place, and we got to see him a little early. Uh, Curtis Jacobs got banged up early, had to come out, um, and then eventually returned. And as someone else who I think really quietly had a, a very nice game. It was loud early uh, with, with his sack, but Abdul Carter came in, and I think that this is the type of athlete that you're recruiting to play in these, these SEC teams. I mean, you look at Abdul Carter, I think that he's someone who could see the field that second week in January, um, those first two weeks in January with the way the college football playoff is set up. When you look at him physically um, and you look at his tools and, and his ability, obviously he's a freshman. There's still a long way to go, but these early returns have been very promising. Um, he seems he plays very deliberately. Um, he's a hard hitter. Um, and the force fumble that he had just felt so textbook. Um, where he just came in and just cleanly knocked the ball out. Um, Penn State was able to jump on it. Um, he's just around the ball a lot, which is partly that position, but I think also partly his instincts. And after the game, I asked James Franklin about it, and Franklin kind of he said, well, if he hadn't gotten kicked out of that first game, um, you, you might have seen a little bit more of this. But they're, I think they're very excited about his trajectory um, that And now that he's getting this experience early and rising to the occasion, which a lot of these freshmen are, a lot of these younger guys are, um, it's really hard to, to ask for more than that. Um, and Abdul Carter is going to be, you know, I think about the Manny Diaz when he talked about got to have plans for guys in October, got to have plans for guys in November for how they develop. Well, it's September and we're talking about Abdul Carter. So we're definitely going to be talking about him in October, in November. Very quickly, this Manny Diaz defense evolving. We, we had a feeling that, that there would be some new wrinkles to look at so, so, and, and maybe that the uh, the floodgates would open a bit from the pass rush standpoint. Worked to profession in that regard, and Manny Diaz had a nice reintroduction uh, to the SEC today. Um, the average st- starting field position for Penn State tonight, Daniel, was 37, their own 37, and, and that's attributed to those forced turnovers, four of them again on the day. Um, and and over the course of this afternoon, or over the course of the afternoon, I think one guy that we got to spotlight, he made some catches, but he also popped up with some important blocks, and, and you gave him one of your game balls in your uh, piece in post game, Brenton Strange at the tight end spot. Brenton Strange, I think, is one of the more, excuse me, overlooked pieces of this Penn State offense. Um, And even that tight end room, because you look at Theo Johnson, six foot six, 260. You look at Tyler Warren, six foot six, 256. And you see what kind of athleticism those guys have. And your mind can really start to go places with what they can do in an offense. We see Penn State try to get all of them on the field at the same time. You know, Mike Yersich knows it, Ty Howell knows it, James Franklin knows it. but I think Brenton Strange, the way that I keep saying is that he does a lot of dirty work. When they're in that T formation and Sean Clifford is, is doing a quarterback sneak, Brenton Strange is the one who does the majority of pushing to get his quarterback into the end zone. You know, he's the one that's lining up as a fullback um, and having to be the lead blocker on some of these runs. He's out on the edge uh, you know, trying to get a linebacker or a defensive end out of the play so that Nick Singleton can run by. Um, and then he does a lot of work underneath, too, um, in the passing game, which can also be pretty punishing. Uh, I know that he had one catch along the sideline 
where it was after a sequence where I think there'd been a couple runs to his side. Uh, he might've been had one or two targets. He had a catch. He's on the sideline and he comes up and he immediately starts tapping to go out. Um, Cause he, it had just been one of those sequences. And you know, he said that he feels really confident. Um, talked to him for a while after the game. Um, I asked him, I was like, is this the best that you feel like you've ever played? Um, and he wouldn't necessarily answer that, but he said that he just feels really confident. He really likes his run blocking. He takes a lot of pride in it. He likes being involved in the offense. And he said that putting the guy on the ground and watching your running back uh, run the other way feels just as good as scoring a touchdown. Um, so it was, he had a lot to say. Um, he had some great things to say about Nick Singleton. Uh, there was a clip that got spotlighted uh, on one of Nick Singleton's uh, touchdown runs where I think Singleton is probably still at the 30 maybe, and Brenton Strange is already pointing towards the end zone. Um, I asked him, I said, well, how did you know? And he said, well, I've seen Nick Singleton do it too many times. That <laughs> He said that I know when it's going to happen. So I think that he's someone that you know maybe isn't getting talked about enough, um, maybe isn't as physically flashy as these other guys, but I think he's developed into just a really solid player. And if you want to go places in the Big Ten nationally, you need to have guys like Brenton Strange um, that can make plays like that, that can get things done like that. So I'm pretty, as Theo Johnson comes back and they try to work him in more, I'm really intrigued how that tight end room kind of starts to sift through. But you really can't argue uh, with the job that Brenton Strange has done. Um, he says that he always looks at his run blocking as something where there's always something he needs to get better at. Um, but I think that his effort today uh, really paid off. Another guy who probably under the radar because there's there was so much good to look at today, uh, Jake Pinnegar. You know, last week there was a lot of good, but we also could say, but what about Jake Pinnegar? Hey, he was sent out there for a 48-yarder today, and you were just waiting to say, well, James, are you sure you want him out that range? Because James Franklin, if you missed it earlier on uh, this week on the podcast, clarified for us 52 yards and beyond is going to go to redshirt freshman Sanders Zahedak and the rest from inside going to Jake Pinnegar. We've discussed 10 of 20 going into this game for Jake Pinnegar in his career from 40-plus. Well, he answered the, the bell in a big way. He, he hit a, a shorter kick today, I think 22 he was five for five on his extra points. But to me, that moment going out there, 48 yarder, expanding the lead a bit more in the second half and really trotting back to his head coach and saying, I got you. Yeah, we're on the road in an SEC environment. Yeah, it's 48 yards. You can count on me and all the fans. And I'm sure Franklin internally took a collective side there. You want to see him do it week by week. But this is an area with the team that you said, is this going to bite them in a close game? You feel better than you did seven days ago. Sometimes the I feel like the vote of confidence will get uh, dreaded tacked onto the front of it. Yes. That it's it's the dreaded vote of confidence. Um, but Jake Pinnegar rewarded that confidence. I think when you see him go out there, you see how far out he is. You're kind of thinking like, all right, like you know, it's kind of a, a low stakes situation. The game was you know, Penn State had had gapped uh, Auburn a little bit, but. For him to put it through the uprights, it looked like it had some room to spare. It looked true. We had a weird angle uh, from where we were in the press box. But, yeah, I think that you went in. We were talking about it where you know, this game is going to be won and lost on the margins. You can't afford to leave four points out there. Um, Jake Pinniger got all his points today. Um, and I think that that's a, a good building block for him as he moves forward. Now, I want people out there, close your eyes. Think about maybe how you imagine this team could be 
in August or back in April or, or back when they came out of the Outback Bowl. And let me tell you what I heard during this broadcast on CBS against an SEC team. Uh, here's from Gary Danielson, who does the color commentary for this broadcast. He said, quote, I got to be honest, it's been a while since we've seen a team come into Jordan-Hare and run the ball like this. He was talking about the 2022 Penn State Nittany Lions with September 17th. They got nine regular season games ahead of them. I think your imagination can, can run wild now because Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, they both declared Penn State as a Big Ten championship contender multiple times over the course of that broadcast. If anyone buys stock in Auburn this year, I guess they're going to be big on Penn State moving forward. I'm on the record. I don't think Auburn's good. I think the rest of the season is going to be pretty rough. We'll see what, what this Penn State team looks ahead. But there's nothing you can take away from this performance and say, well, this didn't quite work out. Look, this was as optimistic of a feeling as you can harness. I want you to tell me what it was like on that field down there, surrounded by the players, surrounded by the staff. Patrick Kraft, the athletic director out there celebrating. What did you experience in Auburn tonight? There was a lot of jubilation down there on the field. I think when it was clear how this game was going to go, I was like, all right, I have to be down there on the field near the tunnel uh, for how this ends. Uh, Sean Clifford, very fired up um, as he came off the field and into the tunnel. He got a huge ovation from the fans and the band that came down uh, into that corner. Uh, seemed like a very cool moment for him. Um, you know, Devin Ford jumped up on the, the way that it's set up uh, in the end zones is that there's a very low brick wall. Um, so that, that first row is, is very low. And so Devin Ford jumps up on the brick wall is leading. We are chance. Um, Marquise Wilson gets up there does a backflip. Um, it was just kind of, it was pandemonium a little bit. I mean, uh, they're starting to do, uh, they're starting to do grass work, turf work. Uh, and the guy's driving this, this big tractor around as Curtis Jacobs is running over to the fans and, and high-fiving everyone. Uh, so it was, it was a very cool moment. Um, I think that there is a lot of catharsis, um, and it, it feels a little bit different than the three and O that we had last year. Um, I think that there was, there's a lot of similarities through these first two weeks in terms of you edge out the big 10 team in week one on the road, you come back, get a comfortable win uh, against a Mac opponent in week two. Uh, and then coming into week three, you get Auburn again. Um, last year it was kind of Penn state escaped. Uh, they got out of it. Um, but I think this, they really left no doubt. Um, and I think that that was very, that was very much reflected uh, by the response and kind of the, the feeling around the team afterwards. Uh, you had guys waving uh, goodbye to the Auburn fans. Um, I, think, I think Curtis Jacobs, I heard, was blowing kisses uh, to the stands. Uh, it was just a group, I think, that was really ready to celebrate. Um, and that, you know, they've had stuff to celebrate earlier this year, but at the same time, I think that what we talked about, the kind of prove it that we need to see from them, I think that was kind of hanging over them. And I think today was a really big moment of catharsis. Um, and I think a moment from Sean Clifford uh, that I think pretty much exemplifies how big this is and I think also reflects how he's approaching this year. Um, he talked for a long time after the game. Um, he talked for a long time after Ohio last week, too. Um, and after his media scrum broke up, he walked out to center to uh, 50 yard line on the Auburn logo, standing there 
looking towards the looking towards the end zone that has the big video board and he was there for you know maybe a minute two minutes it's always hard to judge the time in that situations and then he turns around has his head down hat hat pulled really low and walks walks off towards the tunnel um it was just kind of a seemed like a very emotional moment um and i think that he knows that that this is all all he has left um, and I think that that is, is going to come through, or I'm interested to see how that comes through as we move forward uh, in the schedule. So it was quite the scene post-game. Uh, there's a lot going on. You know, like you said, Pat Kraft is down there. Guys are running around. Um, but I think that the, the solitude that you saw uh, for Sean Clifford afterward, I think, you know, really, really kind of shows where he's at, that he knows that this is the end and he said that he said it before he doesn't want to miss a snap this year um so it's going to be really interesting to see that moving forward in the process tonight he moved past christian hackenberg and now only looking ahead uh to trace mcsorley and penn state's all-time leaderboard for passing yards. sean clifford was not supposed to be playing college football in 2022 and here he is surrounded by these 18 and 19 year olds that are ready to take the baton but he is holding on to it pretty steadily right now for this team They'll come back to town three weeks from the books. The next three weeks, home against Central Michigan, home against Northwestern, and a bye week. Looks pretty rosy if, if Penn State can accomplish what they need to get done before a battering ram of a month shows up after that bye week uh, in Big Ten play. Daniel, you have a safe trip home. We appreciate all your perspective from Jordan-Hare Stadium. We'll get back to you with uh, with you on Monday, another game week here in Happy Valley. In the meantime, I look forward to your coverage. I know Mark's got video from postgame. I think people are going to absolutely love that so they can kind of see some of the stuff you just described to us. But that's all coming your way at lines247.com. Big shout-out to our producer, Lance Glenn, for getting it done on game days. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue stepping aside. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.